0: Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com Podcast 25 Silk Brocade Dress My name is Rebecca Olds, I am a dress historian specializing in the cut and construction of 18th century women's dress. Today I'm going to share a little more with you about the silk brocade dress currently on loan with History Links Dornock. I'm going to call it a gown in our chat today, as that's what this category of women's clothing was called back in the 18th century, rather than a dress. This vibrantly colored gown belongs to Mrs. Barbara Francis of Australia. Barbara was born in the UK and is a descendant of Catherine Grey Houston of Overskibo, who owned the gown in the 1730s. Beyond Catherine, we do not yet know who originally owned the gown, but it is presumed it was her mother. It was passed to Barbara in 1956 and is a treasured family heirloom. The gown is most striking in appearance because of the fabric it is made from, this is a quality brocaded silk, most likely woven in London Spitalfields at the very height of a fashion craze in England for Asian textiles. The most sought-after designs included very bright, saturated colors, as you can see here in this gown. The motifs were considered quite exotic, highly stylized depictions of botanicals and architectural features that often challenge the brain to decipher what they depict. Pineapples and pomegranates were popular motifs, as were outdoor structures such as pagodas and lodges, often shown only in part, with emphasis on strong, straight lines of pillars and columns. All these elements are rendered in a highly stylistic, abstract style, often with additional fantastical elements that defy description. As bold as Catherine's gown is, would you believe hers is a comparatively sedate example of this kind of bizarre silk pattern. Hers does not include any architectural elements and the background is a plain ivory satin. Some bizarre silks had complex patterns in the background as well. Nonetheless, Catherine's silk deserves to be considered a high quality weave given the number of colors. While the background color is ivory, the overwhelming impression is one of color. The ground weft intertwining with the ivory warp is the vivid terracotta that you see but there are supplementary wefts in there as well in pink and yellow and then three more wefts used for the brocading blue green and golden yellow sophisticated woven and brocaded designs like this were produced in the 18th century using a draw loom This was a hand loom that could weave what was called figured silk. That is, it could weave complex designs through complicated manipulation of both the warp and the weft threads. It took two people to operate such a loom. The weaver himself, who was highly skilled after years of training, and an assistant called a drawboy, whose job it was to manage an apparatus called a figure harness, which controlled each separate warp thread while the weaver controlled the weft. The epicentre of fine English silk weaving in the 17th and 18th centuries was Spitalfields in London, in fierce competition with equally skilled weavers in Europe, notably Lyon in France. Indeed, many of the Spitalfields weavers themselves descended from French Huguenots who had left France as refugees in the later half of the 17th century. Brocading a silk this complex was laborious and slow, and required a great deal of skill on the part of the weaver and his assistant on the draw loom. This silk does not include any metals in the threads or in the ground patterning, so it is not amongst the most expensive ever produced, but it was still a costly choice, and we would love to find out one day how it found its way to the Scottish Highlands whether as yardage that was then made into a gown, or perhaps as a gown purchased in London. The silk panels in the gown are in exceptionally good condition, even after over 300 years. There are no stains or tears or even early signs of shattering, and the colours are remarkably unfaded. Silk was typically woven in the 17th and 18th centuries, much narrower than fabrics are today. The width of the panels that make up this gown measure approximately 51 centimeters from edge to edge. That's about 20 inches across. And that includes the selvedges themselves, each about 0.8 centimeters in width and turquoisey blue in color. With fabric woven to this narrow width, the total length or yardage required to make a gown like this approaches 8 to 10 meters. The repeat of the pattern itself is quite large, about 55 centimeters tall and 25 centimeters wide. This kind of scale and repeat was typical for bizarre silks of this period. As to the fashion or style of the gown itself, it seems most likely from the dating of the silk fabric that it was originally a mantua, a style of gown that first appeared in France in the 1670s and then spread like wildfire throughout Europe. By the early 1690s, specialist dressmakers in Scotland were advertising in newspapers that they had learned how to make these fashionable new dresses, as were all the rage in London and Paris and beyond. Family lore supports the dating of this gown back to the heyday of this style in the first quarter of the 18th century. But perhaps even more intriguing are the faint marks in the silk where stitches have been in the past. These are sometimes called ghost stitches, and they give us clues about how the fabric might have been assembled in a very different kind of gown from what we see now. We look forward to seeing what these ghost stitches might have to tell us when it is possible to study the gown carefully in person. But turning to what we do see before us here and now, it would seem that one of Catherine's descendants very carefully unpicked the precious silk brocade at some point in the last quarter of the 19th century, likely the 1880s and then without cutting into the fabric itself, just as carefully constructed a fashionable Victorian bustle gown. Here in the exhibition is a fascinating photograph of Catherine's three times great-granddaughter, Katie Sanders, wearing the gown for a ball. And in the photo, the gown looks very much like what we have with us here today, so that is probably the last time it was altered. It's an amazing thing to see on the inside of the gown just how skillfully the fabric was reconfigured into a Victorian gown of Katie's time, keeping all the selvages uncut and intact. Absent the original long train the gown would have had when new in the very early 18th century, most of the gown fabric is still here, all safely stored away in deep, voluminous pleats. It is as if the gown is a time capsule visiting us, from the 1880s, nearly 150 years ago, and carrying within it nearly everything that it was nearly 175 years before that. What an intriguing bundle of stories this gown brings us. Some of these stories Barbara has been able to unravel and tell us, and we hope in months to come we can decode and translate even more. On behalf of History Links Dornick, we'd like to say how privileged we are to have this gown on loan and to have a lovely relationship with Barbara, its owner. We would love to carry on caring for the gown a bit longer, but for that, we would need an environmentally controlled cabinet for display, and for that, we need funding. Our vision at History Links is keeping the Dornick story alive, and as such, we love the story of Catherine's gown and its link to the people and places in the Dornick area. Having the gown on loan has opened up a whole new area of research, allowing the local community and visitors to learn more about the heritage and history of Dornik. During the annual Dornick Fiber Fest, people come from far and wide who are interested in textiles, to take part in a weekend of workshops about craft and textiles. We would love to develop a project around this gown to link up with FiberFest, and one day we would love to have a replica of the original gown made as a permanent display item to further share this aspect of Scottish Highland life. You can find us at our website at historylinks.org.uk and follow us on Facebook, and please do come and visit us Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Historic Environment Scotland.